0: You're listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. Download past shows and become a podcast subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Here are some highlights from this
1: week's program. There is always a transition no matter what with anything, with everything, with them, with us. So, I mean, when you move from one way of life to another, you always, we just maybe have more transition times that we're dealing with than maybe the average person.
2: Our transitions <laughs> are bigger, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. more dramatic, they're more emotional, but I think I, I think in a way there, there are fewer of them over the course of a 12 month year. This adventure that we were going on was
3: going to be the education uh, for the next six to eight months you know the only way to get an experience like that is to do what we did we just focused on the adventure every day.
0: The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors Maine Magazine Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine Apothecary by Design Premier Sports Health a division of Black Bear Medical Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of RE MAX Heritage, Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes, and Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial.
4: This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 103, airing for the first time on Sunday, September 1st, 2013. Today's show is about family adventures. Some families take the notion of a shared adventure to a whole new level. Meet the Bolin Swords and the Morrises, two families that have made the conscious decision to spend months together in unfamiliar countries and uncharted waters and have learned much about the world and one another in the process. I love adventuring with my family. Whether it is climbing the trails of Acadia with my daughters or exploring the gritty urban streets of Guatemala City with my son, I relish the opportunity to experience new settings with my kids. Taken out of our natural habitat, we can't help but learn more about ourselves and one another. Recently, while on vacation, I woke early to take sunrise photographs with my traveling companion and his sons. Our journey began in semi-darkness. Our words were few as the sleep slowly left our bodies. We carefully made our way to an oceanside cliff where we raised our cameras to the horizon. The sun did not disappoint. It climbed above the pine-shadowed islands and cast its brilliance over the bay bringing with it a magenta glow that could be seen reflected in each of our faces. Spiritually, or at least photographically, sated, we returned to the car and drove back to town. Still early, we waited until our favorite restaurant opened and breakfasted together. Kindred spirits we found ourselves, despite our diversity of years, united in our desire to experience the purity of a sunrise moment. This shared adventure of a family enriched us all. On this week's show, we meet families who have chosen to engage in many shared moments. Michael Bolan and Deirdre Swords, proprietors of Havana and the Artemis Gallery, and Kyler Morris, owner of Morris Shots. Their experiences have enriched their lives in ways both foreseen and not. Sometimes it is the adventures more than our everyday lives that shape us. The only way to know whether this may be so is to attempt the adventures and bring our children along in the process. We hope you enjoy our show and hope it contributes to your own family adventures. Thank you for listening. Anyone who's ever been to Bar Harbor, Maine, and wanted to go to one of the best restaurants in the area that there is, has probably been to Havana. And if you haven't and you're listening, you need to, because the individuals uh, who create Havana, including Michael Bowen and his wife, Deirdre Swords, um, have really made something very special up in that area. They also are doing something very special with their children on a yearly basis, and that is exploring the world in a very different way. And that is what we're going to talk about today. So thank you for coming in and having a conversation with us.
2: Thanks for
1: having us. Thanks.
4: Now the reason that you're here is because Kevin Thomas, the publisher of Maine Magazine, saw that you had been adventuring, which I think you do on a pretty regular basis, yearly basis, and got in touch with you, Michael, and said congratulations for making this work, and you got back to him. And and this, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but you know, you got back to him and said, you know, it is, it's a very deliberate thing. We're not lucky to do this, we're fortunate, we're not lucky to do this, but this is a very conscious decision on our part because, uh, you know, you have children. You have children, you have a restaurant. I know, Deirdre, you've opened the Artemis Gallery, so you have a lot going on. You've consciously decided to live your life in a very different way.
2: Yeah, it's, I, I remember that conversation with Kevin. And, you know, in the business that we're in at the gallery and at the restaurants, we meet a lot of people, and they inquire about, well, oh, what do you do in the winter? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what goes on in the off-season? And when we tell them, oftentimes they'll remark, oh, you're so lucky, that's so great that you get to do that. And, you know, we've kind of structured our life even before we had our children around that seasonality. And it it isn't for everyone, Um, but we made that decision that it was for us. We tried it and decided that we liked it, I guess, and then made the decision to keep going with it. Um, We've certainly had to make changes on our destination. But part of the reason Havana is Havana is because it almost always has been Latin America that we've fallen in love with and traveled to uh, and so we've kept it up and yes with the children it's become more complicated but um, it it's working for us so far
1: how old are your children three and a half and seven
2: almost
4: (laughs) yeah in a few days give me a little bit of this history about this these winter
1: travels and, and why you chose to go to the warmer climates and Well, it's cold in Maine in the winter. (laughs) That's one. But um, with the seasonality of the businesses, it allows for a longer break than just your typical two weeks. So it, um, it gives us time to really travel into places where we can really explore. And we've both fallen in love with Central and South America. We did a lot of travels to um, Brazil for a number of years, but since having the children, we've kind of had to keep it a little bit closer, so we've been heading down to Mexico ever since our first daughter was born. And um, we started in, in Tulum, and we loved it, and the beach, but then spending a couple of months on the beach can almost get a little tiring in itself, so we did some road tripping, and we ended up going into the mountains of Chiapas and really fell in love with San Cristobal de la Casa. And, um, yeah, and it keeps calling us back. So,
2: And that that's a point that we've been fortunate that we've had that not just two weeks, that it's been a stretch, and so we've always gone to the same place. For a while, as Deirdre said, it was Brazil, and we always went to the same island up in the northeast part of Brazil, and we would stay there for two or three months. And of course, what's nice about that is you're really building your life there. You're not just a tourist or a a guest there. You're really living there. And for the four or five years we were there, we watched... People have children. We watched uh, people get married. Actually, mm-hmm. two friends of ours from Maine went there to get married. Um,
1: and start really connecting and becoming familiar with a lot of the people that live there year-round as well. So it's just nice to then start being a part of another community. Now, the children, so they're, you said, seven
4: and three. How do you think that this has impacted them in a way that's different than kids who year-round might live in Bar Harbor or another part of Maine or some other part of the world, but are always in the same
1: place. How how has this maybe impacted their mindsets or their? Well, I think we're hoping that it's expanding. I mean, <laughs> um, it's very
2: different between the two, of course, just because a three-year-old thrives wherever they are right (laughs) in whatever room they're gonna find something fun to do and uh, outside in whatever country you know by the time we left Chiapas this past year Juno our youngest uh, said I I don't want to go back to Maine (laughs) she she was ready to stay whereas Uh, the older one uh, Zoe uh, really said I think we should skip Mexico next year. We should just do one winter in Maine because I really want to ice skate.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Which was, you know, her stand-in for... I think I, I'm i not enjoying this as much as I was maybe when I was five or four. Um, so it's going to be interesting how, how it develops Uh, she said I'm I'm ready to go I don't think I want to go for that long of course that's a crucial time she's gonna be going into second grade so she's got these really tight relationships ever since pre-kindergarten that she's had Bar Harbor is a fairly tight-knit community a lot of people in Maine think of it as this major tourism spot and of course it is but it's also after all a small town in Maine and so we have a lot of really great relationships there with our friends and with um the children of our friends. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. She did go to school there and so did the younger girl. Uh, Juno went to a preschool that was all in Spanish, of course. Um, and our Spanish is okay. It's not great. We take classes and we enjoy it. We're not under any delusions that we're going to be f- perfectly fluent anytime <laughs> soon, but the process of learning it is enjoyable. And that's part of, of course, why we're there as well. It's not just... Hey, let's do something neat for our children. It's hey, let's go on a date night <laughs> two times a week, which is fairly unheard of in the summer. So, what else about but, Zoe?
1: Yeah, but Zoe also um, she said, you know, well, next year when we're here, are we gonna are we gonna come back and do horseback riding? Because Zoe and I were taking riding classes together once a week, and then she was riding, um, going to her own class um, once a week. But she would talk about um, the future and Mexico in the future. So I think she has incorporated into okay, this is what we do, and she is comfortable with it. And I think I think with like any kid, you know, every all changes are a little hard at first, but you get used to it. Um, And I think even for myself, you know, when I kind of was thinking of, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be I got to pack. I'm going to be up in Mexico for four months. It seemed a little it seemed a little intense and overwhelming. But when I got there and being there for that long, we were like, what time to go? Not ready to go. Life is really nice. You know, like it's just it's a little calmer. Things are a little slower. And that's where that balance comes from our hectic, crazy summers that I don't think I'd want it different because I think Michael and I are kind of high energy and crazy, like we thrive on the chaos that um, kind of keeps us going, and gets us more energized in a way. So again, like he said, it's not necessarily for everyone, but for us it works. And um, you know, it's just trying to find that balance in life that you always try to find with whatever situation or place that you're living in. And I feel like we are really kind of in, in the right spot, finding that balance and pretty happy. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like that it requires some kind
4: of mental and emotional flexibility in order Definitely. to go from yeah. up here to down there and to go from, it sounds like kind of intensely on as a family yeah. to maybe not so much during the working season. Exactly.
2: I think people try to do that all the time, don't we? Um, and most people are trying to do that on a weekly schedule so you know you know go 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 during the week and then okay i'm supposed to be relaxing on sunday so to me that's a harder adjustment to do it every single week but again to each his own this this is working for us well although there is a difficult adjustment period uh when we go there getting ready to go there when we arrive there when we're ready to depart and when we come back but um again this this chunk of time really works for us um i don't, in particular, the restaurant business, of course, is a pretty notoriously stressful one. I don't think I would enjoy it and probably still wouldn't be in it if I was doing it 50 out of 52 weeks a year. The The fact that we have an end date in sight um, <laughs> uh, that we can look forward to and still be excited about what we're doing. And, of course, this is true, again, of any profession. If, if, it's tough to maintain that creativity, the passion for what you're doing, and... Um, If you're doing it for 14 actually for over 20 years we've been in the restaurant business Havana has been there for 14 years but taking that break for ourselves as well um, is is pretty crucial to keeping it uh, keeping it fresh and one of the many gratifying things about that business of ours in particular is when people come in and say Jesus is is this new Mm -hmm. this has a new vibe and that's uh, that's a good sign. Not that things that have an old vibe aren't, you know, a hundred-year-old place, but, but that people think it's fresh and new and that that passion is still evident and that they can sense it. And certainly taking a break um, makes that difference for us. And we do work while we're there. Um, and and just backing up on your question of the history of it, um, again, we've always had traveled. We checked out the beach, as Deirdre said, and then... Uh, made our way up into the mountains and really found this place. Of course, it had been discovered several thousand years earlier by Mayan people (laughs) and then by the Spaniards 500 years ago, but um, you know, whenever you find that place, you kind of think of it as yours. You discovered it and um, it's a beautiful colonial city uh, and it really suits us. And the other dichotomy of it for us is not just the work leisure time, which is dramatically reversed when we're there, but also small town, versus it's a city of 150,000. Yeah. So we're, we're getting that aspect as well.
1: Yeah, there is a lot of um, extracurricular activities that Zoe did while we were there. She was taking violin classes, singing classes. We did horseback riding. Um, she was in an air, air dancing. Um, so there was stuff, there was always something to do. There were people that we were able to meet up with from the past couple of years of going back there and family picnics and it's um yeah there's great yoga classes there that I enjoyed I mean it was um and our Spanish classes and going back to the same Spanish teacher we've had for the past three years which is kind of a neat connection to make um so it's yeah it's it's nice to keep on building on that we'll return to our program in a moment on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast, we've long understood the
4: important link between health and wealth. Here to speak more on the subject is Tom Shepard of Shepherd Financial.
5: Summer stress. What is it? Well, we've passed the days of summer when the string of very hot days induces a weary stress that makes us long for cooler days. We've entered that period when the stress we feel is kind of about loss, the lost opportunity to go places and see things and do things that just don't fit into the hustle and bustle of fall and spring or the hibernation and celebration of winter. Summer is often a quiet time for reflection, a chance to call and weed through habits and discard old and replace with new. In that sense it's like a long drawn-out New Year's. The stress you may feel as fall approaches maybe from a sort of induced desire to go and see when really what summer was supposed to be about was to stay and just be. If you didn't do it perfectly, you'll look back with some wish to have spent time and money differently. You'll be thinking about planning for next summer, which the ideas are still fresh in your mind. You'll balance trying to capture and install tradition into the summer while still leaving room for the new and the novel. If you're looking for help trying to plan for next summer, come and talk to us about how to set up your summer endowment. Call us at Shepherd Financial, 207-847-4032,
0: and we'll help your summers evolve with your money. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Flagship Harbor Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Flagship Harbor Advisors and Shepherd Financial are separate entities from LPL Financial. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines, carefully prepared by experienced professionals, coupled with care and attention focused on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled. You need attention, advice, and individualized care. Visit their website, apothecarybydesign.com or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way it was meant to be.
4: You know, the both of you really have to get along very well together in order to do this sort of thing. Because not only are you in these two high, I mean, I'm assuming. Yeah. you get still, along all right. It's been,
1: what, almost 20 years? <laughs> well, but that's, you know, that's something.
4: Because yeah. you're in these very high-stress environments, and um, you're also traveling as a family. Yeah. And it's one thing to just say, oh, this is good for our family. But, I mean, you're together in a culture that, Is different than yours, speaking a language that's not your own, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to be each other's best friends. Yeah. And so how has this worked as far as your relationship has been concerned over the last twenty years?
2: Mostly always. (laughs) But of course not always.
1: Yeah. Uh, But I mean that's anywhere you are in anything. Nothing's ever gonna be perfect. Yes, but but
2: I would agree, at least that it's it's even more difficult. I mean driving a car across the continent (laughs) of Mexico or the country of Mexico from the Caribbean side all the way over to the Pacific Ocean with two kids in the backseat is definitely stressful on a relationship. Um, But it can build on it as Mm -hmm. well, particularly, again, as we were mentioning, you know, we had more date nights in the last, this past time when we were in Chiapas and San Cristobal, we had uh, brought a, a, a friend of ours, but someone that we didn't know that well. She had been a babysitter of good friends of ours. She graduated from the College of the Atlantic. She was kind of Um, looking for something. We said, well, why don't you come down and act as the nanny slash teacher, really, for our oldest daughter. And she was fantastic. And she also uh, gave us two nights out a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, (laughs) which... Really was pretty special. As we yeah. were joking, it's not really a joke. The three-hour drive down here today is the most time <laughs> we've talked in the last eight weeks. It's been um,
1: yeah, you know, and that's a challenge. Crazy. Yeah, definitely. Um, I when mean, the only
2: thing you're communicating to each other is little bits of information about what
1: the kids what's did or on. who's where or whatever, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, that was that was nice. Julie was a great addition and was. Um, the only way that i i I know i couldn't personally homeschool zoe and unfortunately with the amount of time that we are in chiapas for those four months it's hard to enroll her in a school because once you start getting there to the point where the language is i guess it's easy for her to be in school that it's we would leave but the real um the real time that they say is Probably right. it's about eight months. so
2: all the expats told us the same thing that there's a switch that clicks at about it, depending on the child, of course if, uh, but and depending on the age, of course as well. but you know for four or five six, seven eight year olds it's about eight or nine months, and we're only there for three or four months, and what the expats tell us is, oh that's the suffering time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the time when your child's saying, "Why am I here? Why are you doing this to me? I don't want to be here anymore. I don't understand anything the teachers are saying. So. so that's been difficult with the six-year-old. The three-year-old, we think, is going to be better.
4: Is it kind of like putting money in the relationship bank, whether it's your relationship or your your relationship with your children, where you spend these months intensely on, and you're saying, look, I'm building this solid foundation. And then when you get back and you're dealing with the restaurant or you're dealing with the art gallery, you're able to say, you know, I know that my relationship with my kids is pretty rock solid. My relationship with my spouse, you know, mm-hmm. of course, there's always challenges, but it's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Is that I think it's Im- a
2: great analogy. And not just putting the money in the relationship bank that we did back in January, February, March, April, but I now have a deposit <laughs> to get me through this summer. So, in other words, I can say to Zoe, and we do, we say, you know, listen, I, I, I'm sorry I can't be home to read you a book tonight. But, you know, remember, last, last winter I was there every single night cuddling up, reading books, bedtime books. Because with the restaurant business, you know, Deirdre really is a single pretty mom. amazing <laughs> single mom for four months. Um, and uh, particularly at bedtime and dinnertime and all that. And it's really tough. So I have that. And then I also can say this is something we can look forward to as well. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good analogy for me. Mm-hmm.
4: Do you feel like there's a, an advantage to the way that you're doing this from – I know, I, I know I've been talking to the both of you. I guess I'm specifically going to ask you this, Michael, from a father standpoint, because I've spoken to a lot of men who have uh, kind of regrets, and I guess women too, actually. I've spoken to women and men who have regrets about not spending enough time with their children. But it seems like we're more culturally—it's it's culturally more okay for men to not spend as much time with their children. Um, but it's really not okay. It's really not okay with the men any more than it would be okay with the women. Do you feel like you're at somewhat somewhat of an advantage in this case?
2: Being slightly competitive, um, <laughs> I'm, I measure these things. You know, I don't I don't sit down and do a spreadsheet on them, uh, but I definitely think of you know what if I were a nine to five guy, um, which is great. They get the nighttime back unless they work late, which a lot of nine to five guys end up doing because they're busy and and as we all are. So. When I say I measure it or uh, be competitive, I think to myself, could I be doing something differently where I was spending more time, where I was home at night, where I was home every night? Um, but I, I think, and and you know, we say how busy we are in the summer, but there's what's some real-
1: flexibility though. I find with Michael that he can all of a sudden say, all right, you know what? It's two thirty, three o'clock. Zoe comes home from camp or whatever, or we're coming home from the beach, and he's like, hey let's run out and catch frogs right. or whatever. And you can, I mean,
2: and I can take them to camp in the morning. I can take Zoe he, to he her does. art camp yeah. in the morning. So, so I think I'm probably spending more time, including when, if I measure the winter out, <laughs> if I were to measure it out, um, than the average, than the average nine to five job. So I'm pretty satisfied with that. That doesn't mean in the summer I don't, yes, I don't say to myself, geez, this is not working. I really want to be there right now. That said, when I am there, those first couple weeks down in Mexico can be a little trying. (laughs) You know, I'm going from not zero hours, but you know, a minimal amount of time, and all of a sudden I'm going from (laughs) 24/7. I am with my. There is no work to. Hun, I'd love to help. I've got to go to work right now. I'm sorry. No, no restaurants to run off to. There's nothing to run off to, and. It's an adjustment period yeah. for sure every year.
1: I mean, that's like what acknowledge transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably transition. better than I do.
2: I don't like to acknowledge. I joke about it, but I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's it's a tough time. So.
1: I mean, any transit, any with the way that our life is of this, you know, busy time, and then the kind of Chiapas time, everything. There's always a transition, no matter what. With anything, with everything, with them, with us. So, I mean, when you move from one way of life to another, you always... We just maybe have more transition times that we're dealing with than maybe the average person of going off to the well, two-week vacation. S- well, see, I would I disagree.
2: Know. I think we have less. Less. Less transition times, because I think a lot of people... And we have plenty of our own, but, you know, their transition time is almost every weekend. You know, they get done their work week. Yeah, but that pattern and becomes it's a transition a pattern, time into maybe? the weekend. Maybe. Yeah, it can become a pattern where you're not analyzing it as much, maybe. <laughs> um, that's true. But I, I don't know. I think we our transitions <laughs> are are bigger, they're they're <laughs> yeah. more dramatic, they're more emotional, but I think I, I think in a way they're there are fewer of them over the course of a twelve
4: month year. I see. But
1: more analyzing. <laughs> well, this will give you something to talk about there as you're you driving <laughs> your, your
4: three hours back to, right. to Bar Harbor today. Right. Um, and I do love the dialogue. I love the back and forth. And I could see that it would be an interesting way to continue to maintain creativity. I mean, I know that, Michael, with you, it's Havana, and, and now you also have um, the Artemis Gallery. So talk to me about how it is that these trips actually... Um, lead to more creative impulses, whether it's in the area of the restaurant or the art gallery? How do these things inspire you? How does going to Mexico for two to four months, how does this enrich your own lives as individuals?
2: I think, you know, the romantic notion is that you're, you know, you're coming up with these amazing ideas while you're sitting at a little cafe in the historic center of the old city. But part of it Mm -hmm. really is just having the time, Yeah. You know, not being in the grind, not being in the 24 seven. When you don't have time, you just have time to put out the fires, right? Um, or mop up the floods, <laughs> which my week has been occupied with uh, this past week. So I think part of it is just giving yourself that time is giving yourself that downtime and letting your brain function in yeah. that creative way. Certainly. And, and it, Within that is just making those lists, right? Just saying, all right, I'm going to make some some notes here about what I could do better at the restaurant or or what was going wrong last year um, or what kind of new restaurant we might want to do.
1: Yeah, Um, I think that is a good way of looking at it. It's definitely just the downtime to, you know, or when we're out or talk, you know, just allowing for conversation and your brain to kind of just kind of take off and go or yeah sure maybe you may stumble across like a really cute little restaurant or something be like oh that's so cute that would work great in bar harbor and oh but it just allows for that flow and for um like you said your mind to kind of have that time to kind of expand and create
4: Deirdre, you have artists like Eric Hopkins who are, um, I guess,
1: rotating in and out every couple of weeks at the Artemis Gallery. Yep, he was in um, early July. Right now we have David Graham Baker and Rob Pullian and Lisa Lebowski. And we'll be coming up on um, our new show coming up this Friday is Tom Curry and Greg Dunham. But we did, um, every two weeks, my partner, Cody Van Heerden, and I, we um, would turn over a new artist, and it's was, it was been really fun summer and great. All explore. Maine-based artists. All yeah. Maine-based, you are correct, yes. Maine-based artists or work based on Maine, um, definitely supporting Maine. <laughs>
4: And anything new going on at Havana? I would actually agree. There is always a new vibe from what I can tell at Havana. I love the drinks, love the food. My 12 year old, we're going to go back up there. Um, She can't stop talking about going back to Havana and she's 12. She's a little bit of a foodie, but she can't stop talking about it. So I agree. It's a very, so what else, what's happening up at Havana?
2: Uh, well, first, how do we get our six-year-old to become your twelve-year-old? Because <laughs> right now it's peanut butter and that's it. No.
4: Over time, uh, it does yeah, happen. Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, that's great to hear. Thank you for saying that. We um, we we do try new things every year. We try, um, although we still have mojitos, and we won't ever get rid of those. And we still we still have the same a lot of the same folks, which is a nice continuity. You know, we've got Mark Dyer behind the bar. Duffy is his nickname, with a big gray beard, which. Probably half of Maine knows (laughs) this gentleman, he's bartending it all over, but has been with us for 14 years and is a a great master uh, mixologist. Um, There's not a lot of new things structurally, uh, but certainly the menu, we change every year. We change usually three or four times a summer. Um, We change our sources, although we're really comfortable with some of our sources. Um, Mandala Farm uh, in Winter Harbor has been constant for 10 years now. Really a great producer, um, and then we'll change. Um, we'll change some of the staff just because some don't return. Uh, but there's a lot of continuity. I think the new vibe comes from. Um, the passion that you can sense when you're there that people care about what they're doing they're not just going through the motions they're really excited about it and so hopefully that's where it comes from (laughs) um but we've got a couple other restaurants we've opened one new one this year we've always had several going at a time um and uh, we've got a lobster pound now not like it was a unique idea people have been doing it for what the last 100 years but there was a nice building on main street in downtown bar harbor so we called it the Downtown Lobster Pound. So,
4: Well, when I'm up there, I'll have to check that out with my 12-year-old. Yes. And uh, I'm, I'll have to check out your other restaurants as well. How can people find out about the Artemis Gallery and Havana and the other restaurants, the, lo- the Downtown Lobster Pound?
2: They're all connected on the website for Havana HavanaMain dot com or Rupanuni dot com or Artemis Gallery is it?
1: Ar- Artemis Gallery BH dot com. Well, the BH is for a bar. Bar Harbor. Harbor. You got it. I got it. Well,
4: I'm very pleased that you've taken the time to come in and speak to me today. We've been talking with Deirdre Swords and Michael Boland, world travelers and parents <laughs> and longtime partners in traveling mischief, I should say, adventurers. So thank you for inspiring me and for coming in and talking to us. Thank you, Lisa.
2: Thanks very much.
4: We and the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast hope that our listeners enjoy their own work lives to the same extent we do and fully embrace every day. As a physician and small business owner, I rely on Marcy Booth from Booth, Maine, to help me with my own business and to help me live my own life fully. Here are a few thoughts from Marcy.
6: As the end of another Maine summer slowly and sadly comes into view, I can't help but think about the great adventures I've been able to share with my family and friends. We hiked, biked, tubed, and just did all that we could to get out and enjoy new experiences. Making time for those adventures can be a challenge to say the least, especially when you have all the balls in the air to keep track of. I talk to clients every day about this issue. I partner with them to create systems and processes in their businesses that give them more time to do what they enjoy doing so that the little things don't become overwhelming. As the next few weeks pass, I have a challenge for you. Take a look at those things in your day that are obstacles, that keep you from making time for adventures, and focus on a solution to getting around them. It's time to do less so you can enjoy more. I'm Marcy Booth. Let's talk about the changes you need boothmaine.com.
0: This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of REMAX Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With REMAX Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. Using recycled sails collected from sailors and sailing communities around the world, Seabags designs and manufactures bags, totes and accessories in Maine on Portland's working waterfront. From the best-selling classic Navy Anchor Tote to fresh new designs, Seabags offers retired sails another life by turning them into handmade, one-of-a-kind nautical inspired pieces. Please visit the Seabags store in Portland or Freeport or go to www.seabags.com to browse their unique collection.
4: Maine is blessed, or at least the coast is blessed, with an abundance of water upon which to sail. And the individual who's sitting across the microphone from me today is somebody who has taken full advantage of Maine's um, coastal waters, but also has taken advantage of waters elsewhere around the world. And during part of this time took his family with him. We have us uh, today with us, Kyler Morris, who is with Morris Yachts. Um, It's great to have you come in and have a conversation with us.
0: Great
3: to be here, Dr. Lisa.
4: Kyler, I was looking at the August um, edition of Maine Magazine and reading about the eight months that you spent on a sailboat with your family. And I was simultaneously, uh, I guess, envious and also I'm wondering about, how one makes such an enormous commitment and how one could possibly come away from that experience without feeling, without being unscathed in some way, I guess. It sounds like it was a really positive experience, but I have my own three kids, so I don't know. Tell me about this.
3: It was uh, the adventure of a lifetime and an opportunity that uh, um, I felt and my wife felt we should take advantage of. I always, you know, I thought, you know, if you have a skill to do something that's adventuresome um, and and, and there's a door that kicks open in life and you can go and do that, um, you should really take advantage of it. And that happened to us in uh, 2006. Um, We had a customer who... um, Had built a boat with us in 2000 and he um, asked us to build him another boat and so he took this boat in trade and we had it that summer and um, uh, used it a little bit personally and one evening we were sitting in an anchorage in the Agamogan Reach and uh, it sort of dawned on me that uh, um, this dream of taking the family uh, to the Caribbean might be made possible uh, on this boat and so we talked about it um, pretty quickly actually because we left about four months later and uh, we just did it you know business was good uh, timing was right and uh, we seized the opportunity and uh, sailed sailed south uh, November 5th of 2006
4: Well, I use the word unscathed, and I guess that's sort of a negative connotation. I don't mean to say, like, damaging things happen to you, but I guess the word is unchanged. When you go on an adventure like this, even as an individual, go sailing, even going by yourself for eight months, that that does things, I would think, to you as a person. What does it do to the family?
3: I would say the biggest thing is that, you know, you're living in a 45-by-10-foot space together Uh, So you're living in a much smaller space than normal. Um, You're having an adventure every day, um, whether it's the weather or a new island um, or some situation that arises. Um, You know, when you're in a big house or at home, um, you know, a situation that, you know, an individual might have to um, embrace and deal with themselves becomes sort of, um, you know, part of everybody. Um, And so you deal with it together. You know, that, that's, it, it really brought us closer together as a family. It's interesting, you know, we just there will be some days we'll be, you know, here we are five years past this trip, and, and the kids will, some anecdote will come up. And you remember that day that we were off of St. Vincent and we saw this fish? Or uh, remember the time we were in um, the Grenadines and we were in this, Anchorage and so and so came by, so it's uh, um, we got closer together, and the and those memories are definitely really seared into uh, your minds, and they and they kind of come out as life happens. So it's it's neat. It was very impactful, very positively impactful.
4: Your. Children were taken out of sort of the mainstream for eight months. The mainstream where they they have a, you know constant exposure, where all of our kids have a constant exposure to television and video games and being connected to the um, each other through Twitter and through Facebook, and and they really had to just focus in on the moment and each other and the family and the fishes and what's going around on around in the world. What was that like for them?
3: you know it was um, we were definitely excited about that aspect of it. Um, they were the ages uh, let's see Thomas was four, Sophia was uh, eightish and Sam was almost 10. So you know sort of this full impact of you know cell phones and all those sorts of things hadn't really trickled into their daily lives. Um, and, uh, you know, they were also at an age where they're starting to become self-sufficient in reading. So uh, we, we had a library of, of uh, books on the boat. And the kids read and swam. And we hiked and did, you know, hikes to forts and historic tours. And um, I guess being unplugged um, for eight months was pretty awesome. Um, particularly given uh, just saying how, uh, you know, technology just has, seems to have such a way of getting uh, so intertwined in our lives today. It's really hard to unplug. You hear it. It's uh, becoming a little cliche, but it's, it's true. It's hard. And I think it's really necessary. Um, so that was great. I'd love to go back again, <laughs> except I'm sure there's Wi-Fi hotspots <laughs> everywhere today. So uh, it's, it's getting harder to sort of disconnect. But
4: and did your kids do any sort of formal um, homeschooling while you were traveling?
3: <laughs> we had sort of plans uh, in particular for Sam um, being in sixth grade, I guess, going to sixth grade. And thought, well, we've got to have some sort of a daily lesson plan, homeschooling, and a little bit for Sophia. Uh, Thomas wasn't so necessary, sort of pre-kindergarten, <clears throat> and um, we tried my and my my wife Cindy in particular. We sort of we started out the first couple of weeks trying to do a la- daily lesson plan, and very quickly realized that the this adventure that we were going on was the, going to be the education uh, for the next you know six to eight months, and um, we and kind of gave up on, on the homeschool plan, and, and the, the adventure became the education. And uh, it's something that, you know, the only way to get an experience like that is to do what we did. Kids caught up when they got back home instantly. So uh, I think if you were, uh, we ran into a lot of families that were doing this for two, three, and four years. Uh, with older kids, teens, you know, 12, 13. And I think it gets, it's, I'm sure it's much more important to be sort of disciplined about homeschool and, and uh, staying caught up. But we just focused on the adventure every day.
4: Did your kids ever have conversations with you about their friends and missing their friends from home? Or were they really too young at that point to have that kind of concern?
3: They were still too young. Sam was just starting to tip into that a little bit. But uh, generally speaking, um, they were all the right age. They were, they were just uh, enveloped in what we were doing every day.
4: So you describe um, being in a place where you made this decision pretty quickly and then you organized it within four months, it sounds like. What was the process that you and Cindy went through? Because it's, it's kind of a big decision to essentially take you know, a chunk of a year out of your life and yeah. go elsewhere.
3: I think in some respects, in uh, reality, we did it because we didn't have too much time to think about it. Um, (laughs) I I think if if you're left uh, with too much time to plan and organize, uh, I was almost starting to get to the point where, like, should we be doing this? Should I be at work? Should I be focused on other things? And uh, so it's, you know... You gotta have a plan, uh, but you also gotta have a little bit of spontaneity. It, I think this particular adventure for us was probably made easy by the fact that, um, again, it was a sailing adventure. I had a really strong sailing skill set, so that whole aspect of you know how to get there, where we're going, um, all places I'd been before it was just kind of easy. So it really took a whole dynamic off the table and we could kind of focus on do we do this or not and you know what kind of first aid kit do we need and who do we need to tell that we're gonna be gone and sort of get things organized at the business Um, so I think uh, a little bit of spontaneity um, was probably the the little fire that um, kept us going
4: The goal of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is to help make connections between the health of the individual and the health of the community. The goal of Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes is to deepen our appreciation for the natural world. Here to speak with us today is Ted Carter.
3: We live in a very coarse and ugly world today. The media surrounds us with a constant barrage of predatory commercials, murders, chaos, economic peril, wars, on and on. John O'Donohue, one of my favorite theologians, writes, Even amidst chaos and disorder, something in the human mind continues to seek beauty. Land and landscape offer this refuge. When I work with clients, I always envision how these lovely landscaped areas will offer a home to all those that enter, that will help soothe them and make them whole once again refreshed and in balance they can now return to the harsh demanding world that awaits them beyond this magical oasis I'm Ted Carter and if you'd like to contact me I can be reached at tedcarterdesign.com
0: we'll return to our program after acknowledging the following generous sponsors Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine at Orthopedic Specialists Ultrasound technology is taken to the highest degree. With state-of-the-art ultrasound equipment, small areas of tendonitis, muscle and ligament tears, instability and arthritic conditions can be easily found during examination. For more information, visit orthocareme.com or call 207-781-9077.
4: At the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast, we believe we are helping to build a better world with the help of many. we like to bring to you people who are examples of those building a better world in the areas of wellness, health, and fitness. To talk to you today about one of these, fitness, is Jim Greaterix, the president of Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical. Here's Jim.
3: Do you lack the bounce in your step that you used to have? Does your job put you on your feet a lot? Find out why more and more people are turning to compression socks and regain their energy and their bounce. At Black Bear Medical Sports Health Division, we carry all the major brands. Come into our showroom on Marginal Way, get some socks, and re-energize your life. I'm Jim Greterex, President of Black Bear Medical. Come on in and see our trained staff down at 275 Marginal Way and at www.blackbearmedical.com.
4: Describe the journey that you took. You do this somewhat in the main magazine article. You talk about sort of where you ended up going. Describe the journey and some of your favorite destinations along the way.
3: Well, we left um, our boatyard in Northeast Harbor, the Morris Yachts Boatyard Northeast Harbor, uh, November 5th, um, which is just kind of right at the... Right in the middle of the departure window of boats leaving from the eastern seaboard to get to the caribbean for the winter whether it's private boats or charter boats that's sort of people start leaving end october through through november post-hurricane pre you know uh, winter in new england and uh, i did the leg um to bermuda with a bunch of sailing mates, friends of mine. Um, Sailing across the Gulf Stream uh, is always an adventure and one I thought um, that my family would best experience uh, in the springtime, not in the fall. So sailed to uh, um, Bermuda and um, it was kind of funny, we actually had a, a good friend of mine who writes for Sail Magazine was aboard and he, I wanted to have him come aboard. He's a great sailor and a fun guy, but he wanted to write an article on weather routing and to see how functional and accurate it was. And uh, Murphy's Law, we got caught in a very bad storm, <laughs> which was not predicted by any forecasters. So um, he really got the opportunity to write uh, an, <laughs> an excellent story on our journey. Uh, we arrived in Bermuda. Um, Safely, a little weather-beaten, slightly seasick. and uh, happy to see, uh, see Bermuda, which is a fantastic island. Um, so you asked about destinations. I love Bermuda. Great place. Um, then my son Sam um, flew out with another friend. So it was sort of a crew change. And um, then Sam joined us and uh, my buddies. We sailed from Bermuda to Antigua which we sort of made our center of effort, our home base for the winter. Uh, I have a lot of friends there. It's a good, um, you know, sort of sailing and boating um, island to be on uh, equipment and supplies, food. And uh, so we arrived in Antigua in mid-November and um, crew, slowly disbanded uh most of them wanted to stay in antigua for the winter but decided they needed to fly home <laughs> and uh, cindy sophia and uh, thomas flew down we Had thanksgiving in antigua with some friends and we're sort of provisioning and getting used to living on the boat in the tropics and um, i think it was december 1st we set off uh south and we went down. Our goal was to head um, down to the Windward Islands, down to the Grenadines and Grenada, um, and sort of get down there quickly, and then slowly come back with the trade winds and work back up island. And um, we, uh, we did that. We um, spent Christmas uh, near Bekwi, um sailed around Grenada, um, low latitude 12 that was kind of fun just around the southern tip of Grenada and uh, spent some time a couple days on every island from Grenada all the way to the USVI over the course of six months but it was uh it was great it was a a great time I want to go back and do it again
4: (laughs) well how would that be possible at this point I know that your kids are 17 14 11 and 4
3: I know Two out of the four definitely would not want to go. <laughs>
4: I'm assuming you're older ones who yeah, have Sam, school and friends. Yeah. And
3: Sam, is. Uh, he would prefer to, to stay in Yarmouth. Actually, Sophie talks about wanting to go, um, although she said not for six months, but maybe for six weeks. Um, yeah, I, I guess that was the other reason we sort of seized the opportunity five years ago because he just... You, you don't know if and when you can do it again. Um, so I think we'll do it at some point in the future. Um, We'd we'll be lucky enough to, um, be, you know, maybe have Charlie with us uh, and, and go do it for four or five, six months, and have the kids come visit. Um, that would be a dream. Um, but at this point, um, it's a dream.
4: There's Charlie ever talk about I know he's young. Does he realize that he missed out on this? And does he ever talk about this or?
3: No. I mean, he hears some of these stories and anecdotes from the older kids about the, the Caribbean, but it's, uh, I, I don't think at this point he has much of an idea of what we did.
4: As a family, you had to um, not only get along, because you're right, you're on a boat. If somebody has an issue, it just has to get dealt with people can't just sort of storm off and shut themselves in their room for three days the way they might if they were on land or (laughs) leave the house or whatever so there's that but you also had to work together in actually sailing the boat making dinner Um, this is something that I think a lot of parents struggle with Mm -hmm. these days is how do you get your family to work together as a unit just to live how did you and Cindy approach this
3: Again I think that you know the environment and then this adventure kind of it, it forces that um, teamwork mentality uh, so you, you have you have to do it you know we have to uh, take turns doing dishes you have to take turns doing engine maintenance you have to take turns uh, cleaning the bottom of the boat um, you got to keep the boat, clean, you've got to keep your space clean because we're all living in this tight, small space together. And, uh, it actually, you know, it just sort of happens. Um, or at least it happened for our family. I mean, the kids, um, you know, understood that these were all necessary things every day, uh, you know, sort of for happy and, uh, you know, functional, sailing and, and and for fun adventures so it just uh, um, from my perspective it just sort of seemed to to take place and uh, you see the kids at home today they've got a little bit more more space and um, you know uh, you know more space I think as a general rule of thumb tends to make you a little uh, sloppier about how you um, might take care of it. But they still have got that memory, and uh, um, you know they're they're great kids, and um, you know they're. Uh, I think that's one of the sort of lessons that they they still carry through every every day, and hopefully forward in life.
4: And do you think that your two thousand six eight month um, adventure with your family, with Cindy and your three kids, then do you think that that? Set the stage for them to understand the sort of joy of sailing that you have yourself.
3: I think so. I think they definitely um, they definitely appreciate it. They they're great sailors and they're great kids. Um, in some respects, I think they feel like uh, at that age they almost got a lifetime of sailing in. I mean, they were on a boat for eight, for eight months, so their interests are going in other directions now, um, but they they have an excellent foundation in sailing and um, should they choose to um, return to it or participate in, in it partly in life, um, they'll be uh, very uh, happy and, and confidently able to do so. so.
4: For people who are interested in reading more about the Morris family adventures aboard their sailboat, I encourage them to uh, pick up your August copy of Maine Magazine and read this beautiful article. And your children are lovely. Your wife is lovely. It seems as though you are embracing this Maine life that we all um, hope to embrace ourselves. So thank you for coming in and talking about your family adventures today.
3: Thanks, Dr. Lisa.
4: You have been listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 103, Family Adventures. Our guests have included Michael Bolin and Deirdre Swords and Kyler Morris. For more information on our guests, as well as extended interviews, visit doctorlisa.org. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Dr. Lisa Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter and Pinterest, and read my take on health and well-being on the Bountiful blog, bountiful-blog.com. We'd love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, hoping that you have enjoyed our family adventure show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life.
0: The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of REMAX Heritage, Ted Carter-Inspired Landscapes, and Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street in Portland, Maine. Our executive producers are Kevin Thomas and Dr. Lisa Belial. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain. Our assistant producer is Leanne Weimet. Become a subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Summaries of all our past shows can be found at doctorlisa.org.